2: Coming up in this edition of TV Blackbox, two stars go to war on live television. Big Brother wraps shooting, but there's a lot more going on behind the scenes. The cast of Married at First Sight demand the show be axed. And Hamish Blake joins us to talk Lego Masters. Welcome to the podcast where people in the TV industry get their news.
3: This is TV
4: Blackbox bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry.
2: Hello, my lovelies, and welcome to TV Black Box. I'm Rob McNeight. You can find me at Rob underscore McNote on social media. And I'm joined by... Well, actually, Sarah's been replaced this week with this fella. <coughs>
5: <laughs> he's, back. he's back, he's back
2: Ritzy Ritzy's back uh, Sarah, your donkey stole the show last week I think that's fair to say How are you, Sarah?
0: Well, I'm still at my in-laws house in Texas So um, you can go for yourself How that's annoying
2: <laughs> You can find Sarah at Shrimp Tank, of course We also have the viewers advocate, Steve Mulk, Who you can follow by searching for Steve Malk on Malk's TV Talk Hello Mulkey. Not happy, Jan. Okay, oh dear. Uh, I think we're like four weeks in, and I've just realised that every time I say hello, you're doing commercials, classic commercials. Ah.
6: <laughs> well played, Rob McNight. It, Ron McKnight. <laughs> I'm a it bit only slow. took you four weeks.
2: Yeah, <laughs> slow. I'm sure everyone else got that like on week one hey big brother winner benjamin norris is here search for him by going benjamin j norris on the socials hello benjamin
5: i heard that someone last week heard my um details for twitter when you read them out and they went and blocked me afterwards which is uh... (laughs) (laughs) yeah sorry about that ben (laughs) when
3: when what has been set up
5: to be advertisement becomes the opposite
3: (laughs) (laughs)
2: Well, I guess they won't be watching the Ben, Rob and Robbo show, which we'll talk about later. And also joining us once again is media writer and journo about town, Stephen Brook, who you can find on Twitter at Viscount Brookie. Hello, Brookie.
3: Hello, everyone. Delighted to be here.
2: It's great to have you all here. I'm looking forward to hearing what you all have to say about this week's topical stories in the television industry. So let's get into it. And local broadcasters are calling on the government to relax drama quotas due to many productions being shut down because of COVID-19. According to the Daily Telegraph, it will be much harder to meet those quotas in the current environment. Brookie, you've actually been investigating this issue for us. What can you tell us?
3: Well, Rob, the situation could not be starker and the commercial TV industry response could not be blunter. Quote, it is not possible for commercial broadcasters to meet content quotas. That's Bridget Fair, who runs the industry group Free TV. She told me that last week and she says there's two massive things going on. One thing is that COVID-19 has shut down production all over the place. But the second issue is, and though we talked about it last week, Massive audiences for commercial television, particularly news, advertisers are not following. So there's been a collapse in ad revenues. I've written about this in the Age and the Sydney Morning Herald this week. You name it, uh, it's been a horror year. AFL, NRL, Olympics, all those um, big sporting events gone and a lot of ad dollars wrapped up in them. So the quota situation is that 55% of total content on our commercial broadcasters has got to be Australian. There's got to be 260 hours of children's programs, 24 hours of new drama that's for children. Mm. Aussie drama is a bit more complicated. You've got to combine your soapies, your series, your telemovies to accrue 250 points a year. Seven, nine and ten have to meet these requirements. Streaming services such as Stan, Netflix and Disney Plus don't, nor does the ABC or SBS. We talked about this earlier in the year when Channel 7 said, nope, we're not going to fulfil our children's quota this year. Now the industry is saying across the entirety they won't be able to meet this. So what's going to happen?
2: Brookie, was Seven saying they wouldn't meet it this year? I thought, and I could be wrong that Seven were, say, culling all children's production because they worked out they had enough to meet the the quota for the three years, because isn't it judged over a three-year period or something?
3: You can judge it over three years. Uh, Seven were shutting down on productions that they had in train, which was, in a way, designed to head off this issue because the government has had review after review Everyone realises the system's not fit for purpose. It was formed in the 80s. It's very serious not to meet your quota target because then the regulator can say, well, you've breached your licence conditions. Mm. So there's a couple of things that could happen. ACMA could say, look, okay, you've not met your requirements, but we're going to offer you regulatory forbearance. which means we won't fine or punish you. But that's a year away. The situation's a lot more desperate the networks really want tax relief from the government because, as we know, Seven is in a really dire state with massive debt. But they've already gotten the... that, haven't they? Because weren't the licence fees cut? Licence fees have been cut. This is about tax relief. Uh, and But we really don't know which way Paul Fletcher, the communications minister, is going to go on this. It's interesting, isn't it, because... Um, there is no way, if, if you can't go out and
2: shoot, that the networks can meet their content quotas. Putting the Seven and Kids television to the side, the, the fact that we've got Home and Away, uh, Neighbours, brand-new dramas all being shut down, reality shows can Five can't bedrooms film. on 10. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there is literally no way they can make those quote, content quotas no. unless the government are going to force them over that
3: three-year period to catch up. Well, I think the situation is so uncertain and you've seen the government promising relief all over the place to airlines. Media is an essential service. So I really think the government has got to offer the industry at least some kind of relief. It's just not going to help any of those production companies that can't make their programs and therefore can't make money.
5: Brookie, mm. I think if you'd noticed as well across Instagram, a lot of actors and actresses have been making pleas to Scott Morrison to look for some um, some help once this comes to an end to get the TV and film industry back on track. Uh, Jane Harbour, who's in the upcoming Underbelly series, Actually made a play on Instagram. I think it was yesterday. You know, saying to Scott Morrison that uh, they're going to need to consider how many people are out of work during this time, uh, and how many people are going to need the support to get back. You know, Racking back in from here, and back yes, into the industry. and the
3: real dilemma is once the COVID nineteen threat is over, and everyone's like, "Yep, we can go back to work," the networks because of the advertising crisis aren't really going to have the money to fund these productions.
5: They're well and truly going to need some assistance. I guess that's the bottom line. And whether or not they get that government assistance is not only going to be... We're not going to know that until the end of the year.
3: The other issue is that the government has been looking at the whole system of quotas and there have been calls from the networks, particularly with the children's staff, to do away with them entirely. This would cause a you know a devastating impact on the local production industry. If the government the agreed go to this, or write. even yeah, or even met it halfway, so hang on,
6: we just let's put some stuff in perspective. I get that things are shithouse house for TV right now. I totally understand that. How much are TV networks paying for their license right now?
2: Nothing.
3: I think they've been given relief from
6: it. They were given relief a long time ago, not just this year. No, no, a couple of years ago. So they're already paying nothing for it. They get to, like, I I get the differentiation between, you know, um, Stan Disney Plus, all that sort of stuff, don't have to do it. The free to air networks are using valuable spectrum, which the government could resell to do other things with. They're getting it for free. Right. This is the difficult the difficult technology pivot on this. I think Disney, you've got a good point. All that other stuff, uh, having to buy and set up stuff, and yes, they're not paying for expensive studio space, all the rest of it. Stand to their they're credit. They're not. They're not. They're not paying for spectrum. They're not paying for. Um, uh, but they're all. Uh, there's also no content
2: quotas on their bulk, So the networks do have a burden, if you want to call it that, and sorry, I haven't come up with a better word, to produce all this content, whereas the Disney Plus and Netflixes don't. And so it's not an equal playing
3: field on that front. And uh, Disney Plus and Netflix can charge you money to watch them. The networks aren't allowed to do that.
5: But if we want to protect what's actually happening on television and we want to see drama back on television if we want to see quality programming come back whatever had happened before forget that they're going to need more support than what they were already getting so that we can have quality tv back happening like as in for me personally i am somebody who likes to try all the flavors of the ice cream i can't just watch reality tv i I can't just watch scripted reality i want to watch australian drama with real stories being told about real people
2: And you're right that if they want that, they're going to have to put up some money for it, which they do through Screen Australia and organisations like that. So it's a very, very complex issue. Meanwhile, TV Blackbox can exclusively reveal the new series of Big Brother has officially wrapped after a frantic couple of weeks of filming. The news has been confirmed by Channel 7. Production had been shut down for 48 hours due to a COVID-19 scare and shooting was accelerated once they resumed so that the series could be completed without being shut down again. As we already revealed, producers have been bitterly disappointed with the cast who appeared great on paper but not but didn't make great talent when the cameras were rolling. Endemol Shine Australia, the production company, is working overtime to make the show more engaging. This comes after an eviction was not recorded and had to be restaged. Our sources tell us producers are using every trick in the book in the edit suite to create a compelling and funny storyline before the first screening for Seven's executives, which will happen in a few weeks. Malk, I've seen a lot of shows saved in the edit during my time in the
6: industry. Do you think Big Brother will be good, and are you looking forward to it? I'm still very much looking forward to it. I, I suspect that what we'll see... Look, I, I don't know the quality or calibre of any of the footage that they've got, right? I hope that they've got what they need to put out a show of the calibre that we're looking forward to seeing, right? There was a big sell on this and, you know, Sonya's hosting it. There's all sorts of stuff. in. We her, all want it to work. It's all mm-hmm. new, Big Brother, and we are so desperate to see it succeed. The, the challenge for Big Brother is that I think they're caught in a perfect storm and everything has been working against them to the point where now it will be a near miracle edit for it to be anything that lasts for longer than three or four weeks and is entertaining.
0: So, so everybody on social media was talking about how people in the Big Brother house are in the safest place in the world right now because they're cut off and now they're finishing early and they're just going to release yeah, them out into the pandemic. <laughs> that seems kind of mean. No, they,
2: they were never safe. There's still crew members coming and going. They're, the crew members aren't that far from them, even if they're shooting behind a wall, which we already know, they're in the house with them when they're shooting these survivor-style challenges. But even when they're behind the wall, they're not that far from them, you know, and this isn't a hygienically hermetically sealed <laughs> container they're in, you know, like they're not rats in a in a laboratory. <laughs> it's 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 no, they're they're not they're not that safe. And and there was a scare. There was a COVID-19 scare where they were shut down for 48 hours. Uh Ben. Um, what are you hearing? Uh, Do uh, do they feel confident that they're going to save this baby?
5: Yeah, I think that they are starting to feel confident about it. I heard some things today to say that uh, Amelia's done a great job capturing what she needed to. I also heard reports that, yes, it was a very fast quick wrap-up of the show, but it had always planned to be a much shorter shoot than any other series of Big Brother that they'd had. They're mm-hmm. also claiming that, you know, this was the deadline that they always had and they were only going to be shooting for those five weeks. I'm not sure if that's necessarily true. Well, but then I'm...
2: production was accelerated because they lost 48 mm. hours.
5: Well, the problem with it being accelerated had a lot less to do with the the, uh, the humour that's missing from the show. Uh, the people that are working on that that have been talking to me had just said that the housemates hadn't really delivered that comedy that uh, the series of Big Brother had delivered before, and you have to wonder whether or not some of those some of those things weren't delivered, but because of the change in production. Like, interesting that I was told, you know, the do you know who hasn't turned up on this series of Big Brother yet? Who? Big Brother. Hmm. And when I say that, ah. I say that because they haven't even recorded, like the housemates never spoke to a Big Brother inside the show. When the voice was happening, it was just the producers to- talking to them. So. The narration of Big Brother and the presence of Big Brother will be put in at the post edit, which to be, um, is just really strange to me because being someone who lived through that,
3: oh, he's dropped out. I, I didn't actually, I mean, I know he talks a lot, I didn't think he was waffling that <laughs> no, much for you to use the double <laughs> switch, Rob. Hang on, hang on, I think it was this.
2: Uh, We'll we'll try and get uh, Ben back up. But, Brookie, in the meantime, what were you going to say?
3: Gosh, this is like ABC Radio. Um, I actually had a question which, uh, inconveniently enough, was for Ben. Uh, My question for Ben was, do we know anything about the contestants, which we will park there for him to answer. My question for all of you guys, which I've just pulled out of nowhere, is... The world has changed uh, due to coronavirus. Do we think that because everything we have experienced as a nation and as a community of TV viewers over the past two months, whether Australians are going to want to watch this show in the same way that they might have at the start of the year, given that Gardening Australia on Friday got something like 950,000 Metro viewers...
6: That's a real good question, Bookie. I, I think that tastes and, and viewership on content is going to change significantly, particularly if we have to spend more and more time at home over the coming months. I think that there's some things that we'll be looking forward to seeing. I think that with the fact that most of our time is being spent online for those people who are working from home, we're reading more stuff, like we're going to TV Black Box and sort of hearing and uh, buying into all of the conversations around the shows that we're looking forward to seeing. And with enough information leaking out, that's either going to build the anticipation or significantly reduce it to the point where. I, I think it adds to
2: it, Mark. I, I really do. I don't think any of the leaks we're getting is hurting the show at all. I think people are really
3: interested to see what happens. And I also but, but think Rob, that we the want... world has changed. It's my point. We want comedies. We want. Oh, what do we want? Well, you tell no, us. I, I still think there's You're a place for a big brother. I, I,
2: I absolutely think we want escapism from. COVID-19 at times. News services are going gangbusters, but I don't think we want it 24-7. I think we want our hits of news in the morning and at 6pm, which is why they're um, watching that. And then I think they still want their Married at First Sight. They still want their big uh, entertainment shows. I think Lego
3: Masters will go great. Shush, shush. He's back. Ben's back. Stop talking about
2: him. (laughs) I'm back. Uh, so, Brookie, yeah, the short answer is I think Big Brother will do very well and I think we are okay with it.
3: So, Ben, the question I had for you was do we know anything about these disappointing, inadverted commas, contestants and what can you tell us about them?
5: Well, apparently one of the guys is from Adelaide and I uh, did see a video of his which was somehow leaked to me by uh, the most unreliable source. But if it's true, this this boy's from Adelaide. Um you know he looks great you know so like I it comes down to the fact that the rumors that are out there that the housemates are not that amazing has been going on the whole way through the series and I think that uh, we're not necessarily going to know how bad that is going to affect the show at the end you know with the finished edit until the show comes on tv um think about it though they've spent a lot of time auditioning these housemates surely they can't be as bad as what is being
0: rumoured. Well, maybe they're also all great individually. They just don't mesh together well.
2: And that's always a possibility when you throw people together. But the fact is they've got time to save it in the edit. That's what they will try to do. And we could look at the series and go, They've done a magnificent job and this is compelling television. Uh, But Endermost, shine, don't try to lie and say that we're completely wrong. When we report these things, we know we're not. We've got very good sources. Meanwhile, there was an epic meltdown on Nine News this week when sports presenter Tony Jones had Eddie Maguire on
7: to cross-promote Nine's footy classified. Unfortunately,
2: things got a little out of hand.
7: As the AFL competition remains in lockdown, clubs are desperately trying to sift through the growing financial wreckage and the R word keeps bobbing up. Refunds. Eddie Maguire joins us head of Footy Classified tonight. Eddie, come on now. As club president, what's your stance on members wanting their money back? Tony, it's as simple as this, mate. If you don't have members, you don't have
4: a club. Uh, a, a club that has no members is a memory. So we need our members to stick with us as much as we can. If our supporters or anyone gets into financial hardship, speak to us. We are there together because the members are the club. It's not as if we're privately owned. It's not as if we spend the money profligately. This is all about sticking together through tough times. And I can tell you, and you know the history of the Collingwood Football Club. We were founded in the darkest times of depression in the 1890s and got through by building the stands at Victoria Park with sustenance. Yeah, I know. I, I, and all that sort of stuff. So Tony, I'm just telling you it's as simple as this. But if someone very, comes sorry, to good. you now, if a yeah. member
7: comes to you now and says, I've lost both my jobs, I need my money back, you would say Tony, you've got to listen to me, mate we are in it together.
4: We look after our members. They're parts of our family. Would you give if the money can... back? Tony, if you came to me and said Ed, I need a loan at the moment, do you reckon I'd help you? Of course we would. Okay, but what we don't want to do is have a run on clubs because the membership is keeping us alive at the moment. We've got no visibility. I came in tonight driving. Along, I saw a kid, seven years of age, walking along today in his Essendon show. When I looked at him, I thought, he's probably generational Essendon supporter there. He's got so much to look forward to. If you believe that the clubs and AFL football is important, please stick yeah, I with know. us at the moment. You're not listening to me, Tony. You're trying no. to get a headline. and no. this is what we don't No, need no, at the no, 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 no. No, mate. I'm, I'm not trying you. to get a headline, yeah, Eddie. I'm no, trying to mate. get an answer. If yeah, a member well, comes I'm to you, you an answer, Tony. if a member the comes to you and is... says they want
7: their money back, will you give the money back?
4: Tony, I just said to you, if you've got financial hardship, speak to your club. We're there to help you. We always do. We do this year in, year out with people who've got financial hardship. What I'm saying to you though, Tony, is this is more than just a transaction. This is people who love their club and it means more to them. Now you, you, Tony. You want to hear what the answer is or do you want to keep answering, asking no, questions? No, 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 we're running
7: out of time. But All you can, you can love your club without tonight. actually putting your hand in your pocket too, And, Eddie.
4: Tony, if we don't have enough people putting their hand in the pocket, there will be no club. It's as simple okay. as okay. that. OK,
7: unfortunately, there's a lot of empty pockets, Ed. Anyway, you're yeah, nice and... And
4: they'll be looked after, Tony. You're, you're, don't, don't make this into people taking money out of people's pockets. No, no, well, no. Don't wind no. me up when with a smart-ass last line, OK? <laughs> no, 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 it's no. Just Eddie, mistakes, <laughs> And don't try and make a headline. I'm we'll not trying to make a headline, Eddie. Anyway, there'll be more in Footy Classified tonight
7: okay? Righto. Eddie, thank you for joining
2: us. Um, the clip has divided social media with plenty of people saying Jones was in the wrong, but Sarah, was he really?
0: I, I still didn't get a fucking answer. Like, what no. is the club going to do? I mean, he said, w- 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 just come and to the club. But he, didn't, he never said if you ask what Eddie the Eddie, hell? Tony
2: Jones was being a journalist and just asking a
0: question. But he never gave a straight answer. It was like he was a politician. I mean... It just yeah, come to the club. Come to the club. Like, what are you going to give me a free meal? Are you going to pay my rent? Are you going to let me out of my payment? I, I don't know why you ask me sports questions because they're all just stupid.
2: <laughs> Mark, I see you shaking your head. What do you want to say about this?
6: Look, this is an amazing exchange because what we saw was a CEO who is desperately under pressure to maintain a bottom yep. line and keep his club afloat, and getting approached by a journalist. Now, admittedly, these guys who, as I understand it, there is no love lost between them on this exchange. This is like standard interchange between Eddie and Tony, um, asking a reasonably straight question and pressing him for an answer and Eddie getting increasingly angry or at least aggravated. And you can hear it in his response. He keeps pushing and he's pushing back and he's pushing back. Sarah's right. He does not directly answer the question, because I suspect if he did, as he mentioned, you'd hear him talk about there would be a run on the club, right? And that's his concern. If one person gets a refund, everybody hears they can get a refund, and their concern is that everyone will turn up, take their money, and leave. And Collingwood Football Club is gone, and it's Eddie's problem. So Tony did nothing wrong? I would say that Tony certainly did pushed him i don't think he, he did asked anything questions bad. That and i thought answered. his last line was not the big beat up that um, eddie made it to be it was really interesting footy classified that night this conversation came up and caro wilson was on and pressed she pressed eddie in the same way and he got almost as aggro with caro in studio because he did not he re- refused he didn't want to, answer to say yes he refused to say we will give you a refund
2: Because he also knew that would become the grab used in the news that night, the following morning in the breakfast shows.
3: He knows how the game works. It's not often that you see such a stark example of a conflict of interest between a television presenter, uh, Eddie Maguire, Mm. who is on Nine and is also a match commentator, but he's also president of Collingwood. Mm. So that exchange was nominally between two television presenters talking about... Issues that were Mm. uh, bubbling around in this extraordinary situation where the AFL has been shut down. But what it really turned into was an interview that Tony Jones uh, quite forcefully tried to extract some information out of Eddie Maguire pertinent to his other job as president of Collingwood. And the clash was there for all to see. And uh, I think Eddie possibly thought that he could give his answer which kind of basically was yes but without saying yes it's a glad
6: handing but hang hang Uh, on doesn't
2: that show that um you don't he didn't get a free pass jones totally going isn't that a real credit to channel nine that um jones didn't give a free pass to one of their biggest stars was that the criticism of tony that he gave Eddie a free pass No, no 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 i'm just making the point that he didn't give a free pass I'll tell you what, if uh, that's the sport report going forward, I'll be watching. Commercial Radio Australia has advised it will not collect ratings data for survey three through five due to the coronavirus. As Mumbrella reports, the industry's peak body noted the fieldwork necessary to gather the results, including in-person interviews and physical diaries, was not practical or safe during the lockdown. While TV collection is a digital method, unlike the Radio Diaries, executives at commercial networks are quietly wondering whether TV ratings should be suspended for the remainder of the year due to a lack of ability to get new shows made. Ben,
5: what do you think? Could we live without TV ratings? No, I think this is crazy. Like, we should just make it... You know, we should adapt to what's actually happening you know in the climate right now and i think that one of the biggest fears for a lot of people having their shows not being you know rated upon is proving how unnecessary some things need to be if you're looking across the board in regional australia for you know radio a lot of those radio shows have gone into permanent hiatus and i think the scariest thing about that happening is that maybe that's going to prove when it comes back they don't need to have individual shows in different markets, that they can just have something streamlined. And I think also for some of the shows that are on TV, let's see who tunes in now because I actually think there's going to be more people watching TV. Let's find out which shows become necessary and compelling viewing and which shows don't. And I think overall, won't it kind of show a different perspective that um, we might need to see?
6: Sure. Sure. So many more of us are now at home tuning into television at times when we maybe weren't and certainly have the opportunity to hang around and watch stuff at night where we maybe went, oh, I don't have time. I need to bounce off and catch up with the latest episode of Drag Race or whatever, whatever, instead of staying on free to wear television. I would say to you that television ratings have never been more important hmm exactly right. Particularly around the news content, but absolutely across the whole schedule because for the few programs that we do have going to air, absolutely the networks need to know how many people watch it so that they can go cap in hand to the few advertisers that are still paying the money to advertise to show that this is a valuable, vital resource that you can get your ad for widgets in the middle of.
2: And look, it all comes through electronically anyway, so there, it would be literally turning off. Machines not having to go out to people's places. And the simple fact is what this is about is um, networks not having their best programming to put up, basically. So it's not exactly...
6: everything is shit. Everything
5: has gone to crap. (laughs) Can we also just quickly talk about something that I think we missed out on? Malk, are you watching RuPaul's Drag Race? Yeah. I had no idea. Is there, like, a RuPaul's Drag Race for Christians? I don't know. Like, I just can't (laughs) imagine (laughs) you watching
6: that. <laughs> I, I, look, I, I didn't watch the early stuff. It was only in the last probably couple of seasons that I've really got into it, but I love it. I'm
5: into it. <laughs> good Very to nice. know. Sorry there. Sorry there, boss. <laughs>
6: I just, I'll just can't, can't even away. get.
2: How, I, I'm just trying to follow the graph of how we got there. But anyway, all good. Meanwhile, eyebrows have been raised about the Queen's COVID 19 speech not being shown at the time of release on the ABC, unlike its commercial
8: rivals. I'm speaking to you at what I know is an increasingly challenging time. A time of disruption in the life of our country. A disruption that has brought grief to some, financial difficulties to many, and enormous changes to the daily lives of us all.
2: Entertainment journalist Peter Ford was the first to raise the issue, saying, and I quote, ABC TV didn't show the Queen's address live. How can that be justified? It's not about promoting royalty. It's about reporting an historic moment as it happened. Perhaps it also brings comfort and calm to some. They should be made to justify that decision. When approached by TV Tonight, the ABC refused to provide an explanation on why the Queen's message didn't run at 5am, even though it ran on 7, 9 and ten. Brookie, is this a big deal?
3: It's not a big deal, but it's a hugely embarrassing stuff up, I think, because the Queen is the Queen of Australia. She is our monarch. And I thought over and above that, the speech was amazing. It was so well judged and so well delivered and had a great message to everyone who is going through this social isolation and is missing their families. She talked about how she had, during the war, given a similar message when she was a kid to all the children who'd been separated from their parents. So I think it was a very important speech. She is a head of state and, to some extent, a world leader. Let's face it, the ABC audience is not up at 5am to have noticed whether it was going to be broadcast live or not, because in the whole, they are older other networks the ABC did the right thing by showing it just before the 7 p.m news but really if you are running a 24-hour news channel as the ABC does this is exactly the kind of material you should be showing live and I think that the commercial networks showed up the ABC in a very embarrassing way
6: did I mean let's let's do we have evidence that the ABC did not show it at six o'clock Part of the six, six o'clock half hour in News Breakfast or seven o'clock hour or whatever. Did they not show it at all? Yeah, they've shown it. Not many so they times. did show it in the morning, they just didn't show it live.
2: Well, it was a pre record from her anyway, but it was released at the same time worldwide.
6: Sure. Um, so the, the, the issue that I'm hearing get, get made into a friggin' mountain that's absolutely a molehill is that because the ABC didn't play it at 5am, they're bad But they
0: people. are the national broadcaster and we are mm. a Commonwealth country, so you would think that if it's the Queen, sure. they would do it. I mean, I managed to watch it live in the US. What's the benefit? It was...
6: With no advertising, what's the benefit? Then what's the benefit
2: of the ABC interrupting pro? Programming to bring COVID-19 updates or uh, things of interest when
6: they're I, I, happening. Well, let's just wheel this back a second. We want to hear from the Queen, Shore. And uh, as Brookie said, it was a great speech, like mm-hmm. well-written, well-delivered, timely. It was a wartime message from a monarch. It was brilliant. One who's had a bit of practice at it, quite frankly. Um that the ABC didn't show it at 5am is a non-event that they it's, showed it it's during It's not, because breakfast. it's about
2: the branding of the ABC. And, look, having said that, I it's don't 5 think AM, it's... 5am, mate! Who's watching the ABC at 5am? Well, people are, because they've got a 24-hour news channel and the fact is they were showing a, a, a replay of Insiders and the simple fact is...
6: There is I... no way that Channel 7, 9 or 10 ran it at 5am. No yes, way. Yes, they
2: did. They did, mate. They did. They did. Sorry. The facts cool. don't back you up on this. They actually did run it at 5 a.m. Get and what I would say is it's about the branding of the ABC. And if you've got a 24 hour news channel, it really is bad form. Having said that, I don't think this is the greatest disaster on the planet. Really? And I'm not actually that bothered about it.
6: Someone made a bad call. Someone they played it just made before a a the seven call. o'clock news when the majority of their viewers who would care about it would have seen it. Every
2: promo for ABC24 would be about, we take you there when it happens, blah, blah, blah. They didn't. And it's bad for their branding. They got caught if out. If it
6: happened at 9am our time, I get it. If it happened at 6am, I get it. 5am, that's Why shouldn't strange. viewers that are up watch, trusting the ABC for was information? Was there any promo to say that it was coming at 5am? We
2: knew, everyone knew ahead of time when it the was The
6: first coming. time I heard about it was after that it happened, when I saw it on Today This Morning. Other people knew. Awesome. Other people knew. Great. Let's get on with it. Come on, Malk. If you are running a. You guys complain
3: about the fact that you can't get the Today Show live yeah. in Queensland. Absolutely. I don't, on, I don't on, on a delay. Yeah, well, I know. But, that, that, <laughs> but that's I, your I, blinkered I self. You move to the big smoke sure. and then, puh.
6: I sold moving, moving yes,
3: I get it, but but I just think if you are going to be a national broadcaster, as Sarah says, then the certain things you've got to do, which would be on top of big news stories, which the Queen's speech,
6: I think, undoubtedly was. Mm. And I, I buy that it might be poor editorial judgment, but that's yeah. it. It is not. It is not like. Sorry, I've also seen it exaggerated and reasons for why the ABC should be defunded and all sorts of but stuff. But we are we are saying it is
3: a poor editorial judgment, and we're an obsessive TV podcast. Sure,
2: and this but I'm is the kind not of the world's biggest stuff. editorial. Can, can I just say, Eddie? But, but Mark, I mean, um, Eddie. Eddie. Oh, <laughs>
6: gosh, please, I have not. Left. <laughs>
2: I've told you. Tiny, don't try and get yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move on. But before we do, we've got a question from a listener in regards to last week, uh, an item we ran last week about ACMA ruling against Channel Nine splitting of a movie into two parts so the early version could air in the PG time slot but the later version could carry M-rated material. Daniel G asks are those edits done by the TV channel or the movie distributor? The simple answer is, Daniel, and thank you for the question, any editing of a TV show or movie for local classification or censorship reasons is done by the TV channel. Look, if you've got a question, tweet me at rob__mcknight or send an email to info We will answer your questions as best we can. Now it's time for Hatches and Dispatches with Sarah.
0: Thanks, Rob. After the unprecedented cancellation of the Eurovision Song Contest this year, SBS has now confirmed art pop singer-songwriter Montaigne will still get her shot at Eurovision Glory when the Eurovision Song Contest returns in May 2021. With the bulk of the Australian public now stuck at home, Foxtel has begun contacting sports subscribers who don't already have the movies pack to let them know they will have access to Foxtel's full selection of movie channels and movies on demand until 30 June at no extra charge. Peter Mitchell and Jane Bunn from Seven News will host a special edition of the Royal Children's Hospital Good Friday appeal, Friday, April 10 at 7 p.m. The usual long day local event has been canceled due to COVID-19. Channel 9 has confirmed today newsreader Tracy Voe will remain in Perth for the foreseeable future to be with the family during the COVID 19 crisis. Voe, who is very popular with executives, will resume on the road duties in addition to reading the weekend bulletin. And that is this week's Hutchins and Dispatches. Thank you, Sarah. Coming up, the cast of Married at
2: First Sight demand the show be axed. Hamish Blake joins us to talk Lego Masters, and Ben reveals all the shenanigans going on in TV as he opens the TV Black Vault. <laughs>
4: Executive Rob McKnight
2: Something brand new is coming to your social media feed. Big Brother winner Ben Norris. This is something
5: bold and informative
4: with a side of humour. And journalist David Robbo Robinson.
3: It's truly going to be something different.
4: Ben Robin Robbo Show starts April 20. Go to tvblackbox.com.au slash BRR for more information. It's
5: the Ben Robin Robbo, Ben Robin Robbo Sham, Robin Robbo Show.
3: Gosh, those serial killers have got a whole lot happier since last week.
2: <laughs> yes. The Ben, Rob and Robbo Show. <laughs> the Ben, Rob and Robbo Show is coming to your social media feeds and Ticker TV on April 20. It's a Monday to Thursday show. Uh, all you have to do is, if you're following one of the TV black box platforms on Facebook or Twitter, you'll be able to see it or YouTube. Um, our friends at Ticker TV are running the show every Monday to Thursday at 1pm.
5: Ben, is part of the show, aren't you, Ben? I'm very excited about it. Yes, I haven't been fired. <laughs> and the, I haven't been fired, and the show hasn't even started. So let's see how that goes. <laughs> well, we can't fire you. Your name's in the logo. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. I should have always had that. I should have always had that be the case.
3: <laughs> My middle name is Ben. Just FYI. Ah, oh, there you
5: go. So there is. <laughs> there is always a backup. Don't give those people online that keep wanking you off, Brookie, an excuse to get you onto the show. It's it's
3: not actually. It's David. Uh,
2: Let me me tell you, everyone here will be making an appearance on the show at some point. And uh, we actually have some very interesting guests coming up. So it's going to be a lot of fun. It's a big experiment for us and uh, hopefully it'll work. The technicals are really huge to be able to do this. We've got vision mixers, full-on software, um, so yes, it's gonna be going to be quite big. But look, it was one of the surprising hits of twenty nineteen, but Lego Masters is back for a brand new season. Comedian Hamish Blake is once again in the hosting seat, and I spoke to him a little earlier about the show and the amazing things going on in his life, especially in the US. Hamish, welcome to T V
1: Black Box. It is an honor. Um... <laughs> I mean, and I guess you guys are booming at the moment because uh, there's a lot of TV being
2: consumed. Uh, there is a lot of TV, but uh, I'm a bit worried the news part of TV is going to run out as all production shut down, which is a, a really scary thought, actually. You were quite lucky. Lego Masters was in the can, but it's a scary time out there in the TV industry at the moment. Oh, look, I mean, I
1: suppose it's a scary time in every industry. I don't yeah. know anyone. I think, I, think, I mean, there's probably... I think we've all gone through the same thing, haven't we, where there was, like, obviously, you know, if you worked for an airline or something, immediately you begin to realize uh-oh, oh, things are really different. But, mm. but I just think it's going waves, where even if you thought your industry was going to be safe or unaffected, I think people are just realising this is this, this is everyone. Like, this, this affects everyone, and, and, and we're kind of just at the start of it. So, it, look... That's the downside. That's the, that's the sad side. Seeing just how massively universal this is. This is in across every sort of workplace and industry. But hopefully there is there is a space for a bit of an upside, which is people are getting creative and people are figuring out ways to do the things they used to do uh, in this kind of weird new environment. and We don't know if it's gonna last for a month or six months or a year or two years. So. I, I do take a bit of hope in the fact that people are getting there and being super creative in what mm. what they can do. And you know, like people, like you know, just mates that work on different shows and stuff. I've been amazed at the amount of production that's been able to be moved remotely. Yes. Even like newspapers and magazines and stuff. You, you, you know, you're seeing editions of like the weekend magazines being put together completely remotely, and they're still pumping out something great. I think that's the, uh, you know. That's, hopefully, that's one of the small pieces of, of good news that can come out of this is that people are finding a way, everyone's adapting.
2: Absolutely, and it just shows we can do it. And so that's the. there's always been a resistance to working remotely. I think people have always thought oh, people are bludging, they're not doing enough work or something like that, but we're showing that you can get the job done, you can do it well and you can still do it from home. So it could actually be a life changer, but part of that is that we are home to consume more TV and Lego Masters is part of that. How do you feel being the person who has revolution revolutionised the way reality TV shows are hosted?
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a very generous assessment. It's probably uh, a more accurate question. How do you feel about being the person who mm, had no idea how to host a reality TV show, so <laughs> probably just spent the whole time um, trying to... <laughs> either trying to invert it or or it on its head um I don't know if it's a revolution but I, I'm I certainly had a lot of fun getting to host I suppose it's just the way we ended up making Lego masters and I think the same thing carries through the season two is we everyone on the team just sort of approached it going well we've all had reality TV now for a long time mm-hmm. like we understand the tropes and we get and some of the things need to exist and 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 you know we we do a lot of the show is just kind of like you've got to do the things that people are used to and that we want to do because we love the competition aspect of the show and and there's a lot there's a lot of things that you do in a normal reality tv show that we still do kind of like unironically because that they work and that's the kind of that if you're going to have a show that's a competition where people get voted out and ultimately there's a winner there's still certain things you have to Mm. do but we did all love the challenge of going. Okay, we we definitely don't want to ever mess around with the Lego because we do love the Lego. We do love the challenges and we do love the contestants and what they're building. Like that's not the joke. Yeah. But is there stuff with the structure, and the format of all the stuff we've just seen a thousand times on reality TV that we can have fun with? And 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 that was that sort of where I guess the style of the show came from. And. And it's and it became fun. And I think it's because we have got a long time on set. You know, some of the builds are 10, 15 hours. Mm. So you definitely, whereas I suppose like if you're on a MasterChef or something, like sometimes the chicken can be cooked in 50 minutes. So <laughs> you don't have much room. You don't have room for anything else except just cook the chicken. Yeah. But we have a long time where we're kind of looching around and sitting in the control room and Thinking of of things that kind of make us laugh, and we've got time to play around a little bit with the format. So I think it kind of grew out of that a little bit too. That we just have a lot of time on the show.
2: When you were shooting a fifteen-hour challenge, is that actually shot over two days? Yes,
1: yes, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I thought it would be brutal, and I mean, I mean, you, we could try and lie about it but, it, but then I think the finale last year was twenty six hours. Yeah. So, they, so it, gets a, it gets to a point where it's mathematically impossible to lie about how long it takes. Well, it's. And it, then, of course, like there's all the there's all the standard stuff, and I do get that question a lot, but like you know. People can obviously like go to the bathroom and get a drink, and yes. you know, then there's like lunch times and stuff like that, which it's not that you know, no one's trying to hide any of that basic, I guess, like a Geneva Convention right. <laughs> but no one's trying to hide any of that. It's just it's not that interesting. So, exactly. Like, it, it's you know, and I was amazed. One thing, as a TV fan myself, you know, there's, I'm always in that kind of like I've got a foot in each camp because. I've never really been on a reality show before, so I'm kind of quite fascinated to see how it all yes. works. Because I love, I do love a lot of reality shows and I watch them. So to see how like rigorously the clock is managed, and to see how fair everything is, like if if someone asks a question kind of off camera to one of the challenge producers, that 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 everybody. All the other contestants, even if they didn't ask the question or they didn't care what the answer is, everybody has to be, like, gathered around so the question is answered mm. because otherwise it would it could possibly be conceived that somebody's getting an unfair advantage or a bit of information that no-one mm-hmm. else got. So I'm very, very impressed by the slickness of the machine that, that kind of manages the logistics behind the scenes. So what you end up seeing on screen is all legitimate 15 hours, that. Um, where where it's like an even playing field.
2: That makes perfect sense. It's interesting what you said about playing with the hosting style because that is actually a risk to do. We are used to a certain expectation from a host ramping everything to to within an inch of its life where you're on the edge of your seat thinking life will literally end as we know it if this doesn't happen (laughs) by this time, whereas you're actually taking a more laid-back approach which goes against the format. It plays to a strength, but... Um, it's still a risk to take that approach with something as what could have been
1: niche like Lego. Yeah, that's that's a fair that's a fair point. I, I suppose it is a risk, in but but I suppose only in the sense that if you didn't think that you could still communicate like the appropriate level of stakes, I suppose, or, or, or attention there. And I'm, I'm probably of the school of thought that. You know, we're all smart. We're all, we all understand what's happening. Mm. And and you don't need someone to say, if you don't finish this castle, the, you will die. This is the most important thing in your life. You know, in a, in a funny way, like, I think we're just at that stage where the, the most... Or, or that kind of hyperbole has probably run its course. But it's, certainly for me, I, I, it doesn't mean there's no stakes. I'm just probably more interested in, 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 in focusing on the real stakes that I can feel in the room because... We don't have – I suppose my – I'm just kind of thinking it through out loud here. I've never really analysed it like <laughs> this. So I, suppose what I'm, I suppose what I'm doing is going, let's – I'm very keen to focus on the actual stakes, which is we all want to see awesome stuff yes. made. And these people have, like, sacrificed a lot to be on the show, and they have great skills, mm. and this is your chance. So there's kind of enough stakes in that rather than going, if you fail, this will, you know, this yes. will change your life or – we just kind of don't need to say that because you feel it in the room like uh, that's the fun thing about working on to a show too, where everyone's so passionate about what they're doing on the show is these stakes are, are, I, didn't, I don't have to explain the stakes to the contestants, they're like they have built like this for their whole life and yes. now especially in season two where people understand the show yes. they're like this, this is awesome, like for them it's so fun being on the show you don't even need to say it, like they want to stay on and they want to Build stuff, and we, as the people that are making the show, want them to because they're all awesome people. But we also are so excited for them to build the best stuff. Like, in that sense, it's like that's where a lot of the joy in the show comes from. We all just want the same thing, which is you know them to build the most awesome thing they can in the time given. And so, we
2: look at that yeah, and we very, just very go, answer. amazing, how the hell do they do that? You know, it's what they're coming out with, yeah. especially in episode one of the new season is just phenomenal.
1: I mean, that's the thing I started, I would say before last season, I was just like your regular, every man, casual, casual fan of Lego in the sense that like, oh yeah, I know Lego exists and yeah. like, I'm very impressed by it all, it, I all. It all fits together very well, and every time you build a set with your kids, you're like, "Oh, gee, that's very clever that they've done that." That kind of level of like appreciation for yep. for it, but you know, d- d- didn't have a dungeon where you were secretly building stuff at night and whatnot, and 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 I suppose just. Funnily, it's just that same thing. Of like, so familiar with it, but had never considered it as an art form, mm. I suppose, or had never, you know, just always building for instructions, you know, except for when you're like a nine-year-old kid and building spaceships in your bedroom. So now, having gone through this now and having had exposure to now to to cast loads full of of people that do and can use it as an art form, yeah, it's 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 really awesome, and it gets such a thrill too when you do see them pull off something that you know is tough for them as well. This isn't just them kind of coming on a show and doing what they normally do. It's really cool when people just take a massive risk and try and build something under that pressure that they've never really tried before.
2: It's it's amazing. And just to go back to your hosting for one sec, one of the things I really love in the new season is... You talking like a contestant in the post interviews, talking about moments where you're hosting the show, like when you have to give the time call and everything and the pressure you're under to do that. That was just hilarious television.
1: (laughs) I think, again, it's like we've gone, we've had this visual language now for so long. (laughs) that I think we can all have a laugh at it a little yes. bit when you when you do those things. That, yeah, and again, probably just, a, probably just a bit of a function of what I was talking about before, which is we've got a lot of time on set. And <laughs> David McDonald, who's the EP, is a very, very funny guy and a super creative guy, and I've really enjoyed working with him. and and when I said, mate, can I just jump in the interview room as well? His eyes were lit up, and he was like, yeah, I can definitely do that.
2: It was my favourite bit. I've got to be completely honest. Um,
1: oh, thank you. Well, I mean, there's something that I, I that won't make the edit, but we shot Anyway, this is probably where we just, like, go too far down a rabbit hole. Um, and I'll give you this as an exclusive, but it's not finished yet. Once it's finished, okay. I'm sure I'll put it up on my Instagram somewhere. But... Uh, Another idea I had for this season was like, you know, every contestant does their backstory where they go, you know, they're at home and you see them and you find out who they are and what they do for the <laughs> job. And I thought it was about time that um, the host does their own backstory. And so we shot <laughs> we shot my backstory, but <laughs> I just think that's probably a bridge too far. No one needs a complete piss take of a backstory <laughs> for three minutes in the middle of an episode they're trying to get into. <laughs> I love
2: that. That see that appeals to me. I would love to see that. that. Yes, well,
1: I'll give you a heads up before. I'm sure I'll pop it online once it's um, been edited. They're kind of busy editing the whole rest of the series at the yeah, moment. So I'll I'm get to that. that. It'll be put through the machine and they'll spit it out at some point.
2: Oh, that's awesome. Um, one one thing about this show is just its appeal to families, and so much so that it's now travelling internationally. I mean, the fact that the the states are doing a version of it is amazing.
1: Yes, very, very cool, um, and and, quite, and kind of slightly surreal too. Um, but I think from what I've seen, I've only seen sort of snippets online. But mm. they, you know, I think they they sort of found the American version of of, of sort of what we found. Like the characters look unbelievable. Like it has, mm. it, has it has that that American? Um, well, you know, it's on Fox. Like it has that kind of. It, it, no one does TV better, I suppose. Like, well, no one does American TV better than America, which I suppose makes sense. But it's <laughs> that kind of that super, you know. There's like, I think there's more people. They're they're, they're kind of their like clocks bigger. They have like a walkway for no apparent reason. So they're just like yes. a, they're just amps it up a bit. But I do think, I mean, the bits I've seen, like Will Arnett, is an awesome choice yes. for hosting. Like he and I a mean, great
2: association yeah. with Lego.
1: That's the thing. I mean, almost now that when when he was sort of put forward as a host, you're like, yeah, we actually can't be anyone else, can it? Um, <laughs> we we were we were almost we talked about him in season one to try and get him as a guest judge, and but the idea just sort of came up to like, I don't, we never even asked him. But but yes, he's he he I think smashes it on that uh, on that version. It's very cool to see him do it.
2: Well, talking about America, you and Andy have just had some major success with the selling of the um, true stories format. To the US, that's got to be a life-changing moment, doesn't it?
1: Um, Yeah, again, very surreal. To (laughs) these are all like yeah, things like Fox and NBC, where True Story is um, is, has its home on NBC. These are not companies that you're used to talking about in any association with you, Mm. apart from just that you went to the gift shop when you are in New York and you bought an NBC mug. <laughs> Which I'm actually
2: drinking tea out of at the moment. I've got the NBC mug. We've all done mug. it. We've all
1: done it, haven't we? We've all, we've all, we've all bought the Peacock mug. <laughs> yes, and that's exactly I've got, exactly the, I've got the a Dunder mug. Mifflin mug. I'm not above having a Dunder Mifflin mug. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it is very, yeah, that's a very surreal moment to... to, to to be associated with those those people. And again, very cool um, that, that it's happening at front, but back to what we were talking about right at the other conversation, it's it's currently delayed or it's on hold like everything else. Yeah, all I wondered. At the moment, all productions are on hold because, um, of course, like they're in lockdown and they're, they're just going through the stage now where they're looking for storytellers and to, to fly people in. But A, you can't get a crew together and B, you know, it's, doesn't feel like the right time to tell people to hop on a plane and fly to Los Angeles to to tell their stories. And so I think every, it, it's terrific news, but totally understandable that it's um, that it's on hold at the moment while we see how this thing plays out.
2: Oh, of course. But when it does resume, how much input will you have into that? I mean, I assume the American producers will have their own ideas of how they want to Americanize it, but you are listed as an executive producer. Does that give you much input? Do they take your advice?
1: Yeah, um, tempting for to pretend that that means that we can um, have order order ourselves a cameo for each show. But <laughs> um, I, I think the short answer to that is as as much as um, they would like us to give, because there's, yeah. there's there's extremely uh, elite people now in charge of the U.S. version, and and it is and and look, it's our wish too that they. It's, it's, we think that's a great system. Like, we're certainly there to give advice if there's questions, because it's a bit of a unique show to produce. But yeah. the, the it's great that they want to do it, and it's great that they've sort of taken it on board and that they're up to the challenge of producing it. Because, it, you know, in the same way that it, like our Australian version has a kind of a has an Australian feel to it with the the, the humour and the stories yeah. that you pick and who you cast. You need, I think, people that understand America well like they do to, to give it that a same American feel. I think if we went if we tried too hard to control it, it would I don't know if it would work to the same degree because I think we'd be seeing it through our Australian filter and going, Well, this this is what worked in Australia but that you need to want to understand those American audiences I reckon, and, and they've got a great team
2: Well, I couldn't agree more with that and look, uh, congratulations on all your success, it's uh, been an amazing journey for you and Andy I had the pleasure of speaking to Andy just recently and the way you guys work together but go off and do your own projects it's really a great friendship that has served you well through shows not working on Seven and finding your, other, your voice on other networks and just becoming this amazing duo taking on the world, congratulations on all your success.
1: No, oh, Thank you, man. That's very kind. Yes, we are extremely lucky boys. <laughs> so that, is, that is very true. <laughs> well, thank you for being on TV, Black Box. Thanks, Total pleasure. Have a good one, mate.
2: Amazing. And Series 2 of LEGO Masters premieres Sunday, April nineteenth
5: oh, at 7pm on cannot 9. Cannot wait. It's a good one, isn't it, Mark?
6: Mm, so good.
5: I really enjoyed that show, but I guess Hamish and Robert doesn't have the same ring to it, does it? Like Hamish and Andy.
2: Oh. <laughs> Thank you. No, I agree. Hamish, and I did have great chemistry. It took, took a moment for me to catch up there. Hey, uh, let's move on to the big issue. And um, we're talking Married at First Sight this week, Brookie, but it's, uh, it's interesting that the people appearing on the show have turned.
3: They have, Rob. I tried to watch the maths finale. I really did. But I only lasted about five minutes. The reasons? We've discussed them all year. It's the fakery of the program and the abuse of contestants. More and more are rebelling, not just during the show and complaining about the psychologists, but they've been getting their revenge on social media and via Get Real Entertainment, which seems to be part of the Dimex agency. In a series of explosive interviews, you can find them on YouTube. But I've got to acknowledge Plenty did watch the mass finale. Ratings were down this year at 1.8 million in the capital cities versus 1.97 million. Maybe it was competition from a COVID-19 news special on Seven. But criticism of the program is growing, including from long-term fans of the show... Uh, about our very own Joe Casamento, who's a Big Mass fan, gave mm. the show a slap on our sister TV binge box pod, binge box podcast this week. A lot of the controversy is centering around the executive producer Tara McWilliams, who has been called the most powerful woman on TV. So listen to this clip. It's from an interview with a contestant, Michelle, uh, which was put together by Get Real Entertainment and it shows how the producers employ extreme language when dealing with the contestants. But uh, during it, she also does admit how contestants did misbehave.
8: I've heard Tara say, I don't care if you're happy. We just need your story to evolve. You're here. You've signed a contract, your ass is mine. I've been told that my ass belongs to her so many times. How brutal were they? You get called a cunt all the time, like <laughs> seriously. And I'm I'm okay with the word, but my husband on TV, Steve, he hated the way that he got he got spoken to one day. Like they were actually, it was like everyone was naughty, most of the class were naughty, and they got locked like locked down for a period of two or three days where they weren't even allowed to step out of the room. <laughs>
3: These interviews are amazingly frank and provide a real insight into what has gone on at Married at First Sight behind the scenes this year. Here's another contestant, David, who claimed that there was what amounted to a, a reign of terror on the show. That woman,
6: I'm a six foot five hundred kilo professional fighting athlete, and even that woman scares me. Well one of the the comments that was spoken to me was, and it was spoken to other participants as well. Was she would was, threaten us and say, "David, I want you to understand that I have a very large part in how the Australian public views you." And so she's holding that over your head because she's playing with your whole entire reputation. So she's the puppet master. Oh, big time! So then it was, "Play ball, David," or "I'm going to make you in the editing process. I'm going to make you look like an absolute." So
3: it's all in the edit, as we have been hearing. There were so many negative stories to hit the headlines this year about Married at First Sight. We had Poppy leaving the show because she felt, in quotes, uncomfortable about her on-screen husband in events that were never fully publicly explained. And then Michelle again got into a dispute with the producers after she claimed that her drink was spiked. Producers didn't believe her, but uh, drug tests proved that Michelle had been correct.
8: Well, the way that they put it to us is basically, production puts it to us, is that we're using up energy and resources on something that possibly won't get resolved anyway. So why are we, like, wasting people's time? The thing is, I think that it's my own right as a human to find out what happened in that space of time and if if I've been drugged which like the doctor told me I actually had like opiates or amphetamines or whatever in my dr- in my urine mm. then I need to like I need to know what they were
3: Now, are these just a few disgruntled contestants who are speaking out after an unpleasant experience on the program? Yes. It has to be said that the vast majority of uh, people on the show, despite some quite extreme scenes, have not gone down this route and broken their contracts and uh, spoken out either on social media or given interviews. And nine, whilst not commenting on individual cases has been pretty robust in its defence. It says that it takes its obligations in respect to the health and well-being of the participants very seriously. They all have access to a show psychologist during filming and broadcast and once the program has ended. Uh, Nine has said that there's additional services available for ongoing psychological support uh, and that they also have a dedicated helpline from which participants can also arrange face-to-face sessions. So they are showing that they have a clear duty of care. And we all know about the cases in the UK where contestants have committed suicide after appearing on Love Island, and also the dispute involving Channel 7 from a former reality contestant. But contestants on MAFs are worried, and they're worried about the future of the show, and they're worried about what might happen to future contestants, and they want the show to end. Here's Michelle again in a final clip.
4: If the show continues, what, what do you fear could happen?
8: So, oh, someone will die. Someone will die, and the format that makes it so um, explosive and so um, worth watching has now changed. I don't want there to be another season not because i want to be the last person or the last people on this series it's because i think for people's welfare like these people are going on thinking oh they're insta-famous or they're whatever but they don't realize what we've had to actually endure for up to three months like the sleep deprivation like you know Um, the lack of food, the alcohol, like lack of water, like sitting in a tent, a hot tent for hours, like just making you wanting to fume.
3: So there we have it. Michelle wants the show to end. Ben, do you agree with her? No,
5: I don't think that the show should end. And I don't know whether or not I'm using my Jackie Gillies psychic vibes when I say this, but when I listen to those interviews with those people, I get that they are very disgruntled with the experience that they got. And let me tell you from the experience of being a reality TV contestant, it isn't exactly what it looks like because when you sign up to these shows, you think you could, it's all going to come together seamlessly like a music video. It's not like that. It's actually really rough and they are really difficult shows. And so if you're going to apply, and I say this, if you're going to apply for merit at First Slide next year, Please have a thick skin. Please understand what you're signing up for. It's going to be life-changing. It's going to be hectic. And there's going to be times where you're going to need to repair and heal yourself and get yourself back together to make the show what it is. I mean, do I think that Barrett at First Sight is a great TV show? Absolutely not. Did I watch this whole season for the first time? Yes, I did. Do (laughs) I think it's quality TV for Australian people to watch? No. But there is plenty of people that like it. There's plenty of people that want to go on it. And as long as Channel 9 is doing the best thing by them, I think the show should come back.
3: Sarah, do you think the show has got nastier as it's gone along? Michelle and other contestants have referenced a format change and there's been a lot of discussion as to whether the producers have basically set up the contestants by pairing them with unsuitable people to create drama. Have you detected any of this?
0: It does seem every year people are are getting it's getting, it is getting to the point where it seems like they are putting people together for the explicit purpose of them not liking their partner and cheating and creating the drama that way. Like it doesn't seem like they are truly trying to make couples. Um, I did notice that it was interesting that this week, one of the former couples announced that they, you know, here comes love, here comes marriage, here comes a baby in the carriage. Like they purposely timed the look at us. We worked out very nicely at the same time. Um, At the same time, I also just wonder if people are getting soft because, I mean, I look at everybody who's in lockdown and they're acting like, you know, what people are getting like people are soft because everyone's in lockdown. Everyone's complaining. Oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm trapped in my house for two weeks. It's like, Anne Frank spent two years in an attic. You can do two weeks. It's fine.
5: <laughs> you, you
3: can handle maths. You can handle maths. Oh, Malk, <laughs> Malk, you, Malk, you've been a big sh- a fan of this show and watched it closely for many years. Mm. Do you think that it is becoming even more repetitive and even more extreme, over-the-top fake, and
6: has that dulled your pleasure from watching it? Yes, 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 and Yes. This year was the least imaginative series that they've had uh, as far as the stuff that they engage them in. It's, and it could just be that, as you said, Brooke, I'm a seasoned watcher of the series. Everything was telegraphed. You could see, Oh, they don't like this. Oh, Steve doesn't like, you know, water and kayaking. Let's put him on a kayak. There is no way that was Michelle's idea. That absolutely was a producer's idea fed into, to bring on some trauma and drama and whatever, whatever. Um, The, I I had been fed that the final episode of Merit at First Sight was gobsmacking. And when I previewed it, I was so bored, so bored. Nothing happened except for the understandable fallout because it was filmed the day after the dinner party that was the Tuesday night penultimate episode where the big Stacey cheating um, uh, allegations came out. And... She maintained. Was that a setup? Well, this is the thing. I, what that it came out or that it happened because the guy who's saying I had slept with Stacey said he and she's saying no, we didn't sleep together.
2: So he had compelling evidence though with the text
3: messages.
6: Look, there's all sorts of stuff that came to play. I would have said the messages were at best circumstantial, but they certainly indicated that something happened.
3: <laughs> Robert McKnight, yes. you're a seasoned TV producer. Were the revelations contained in these interviews shocking to you and how much trouble do you think Nine is in? Because I think you can possibly build a school of thought that they're writing this one out. I think Nine have a couple
2: of issues. And the first is how they have not managed to keep the contestants quiet. This has been... When people had a bad edit... They've come out occasionally, but it's been been enough to ignore and just say, oh, they're bitter and all that kind of stuff. This felt like the first year where it wasn't just one or two contestants. A lot of them came out saying having problems with the way they were treated and everything that went on behind the scenes. And this was the first year I felt like we were getting a true picture of what really goes on behind the scenes. Like those interviews are long and there's with quite a few of them that you were referencing before, Brookie. And I think that the EP, of course, she's using the power of the fact they signed contracts to get them to do what they want. And, yes, they're using tricks of plying them with alcohol, not giving them any food, keeping them in hot conditions. I mean, there was one point where Michelle said, "We we spent hours in a tent, it was hot, and I was just fuming by the end of it. Yeah, well, that's exactly what they wanted, obviously. You know,
3: the concerns I have... Is, you, how can you get away with doing that, really, in this day and because age?
2: Because people, it's because people want fame, and if they misbehave, the fame will be taken away from them. Everyone going on Married at First Sight is wanting fame. Um, l- let's be honest; they they are going on these reality shows because they want to be famous, and so. The executive producer can hold the power of. Well, not only do I have a contract, and I will sue your ass, but I will also give you a bad edit, make you look bad, and you won't appear in the show. You the know, catch,
6: the, the thing that we're seeing now, though, Rob, is that um, that yeah, this well, I've got the thing, and I'll hold it over you contestants don't give a shit like yeah well once they feel they're they're
2: not giving a shit but the thing out of all of this that has really concerned me is michelle's claim that her drink was spiked yeah now what she did say in those interviews was that they wouldn't let her speak to her own gp they were using the show's gp and um she had to demand that the the uh you heard she did a urine test, and that she was—it um, was tested against what the show wanted to. And the quote she said before in there was about the show just thinking we want to make a show. We don't care basically if your drink was spiked because we're actually trying to make a show, and this has got no value to us because it can't. I don't think that that's good. No,
5: that's that's my concern. I want receipts. I'm sorry to jump in yeah. here, but like, can I just quickly say? I I find it hard that I'm the person that's now jumping to the defence of producers on a reality TV show when I understand, you know, that they're not completely innocent. I would like to see those. I mean, not that we can. I guess the, they can't become public documents, but I'd love to see what that document, what that report is from the doctor that said that she had, you know, opioids or whatever it was in her system. I refuse to believe that a network would allow for that to have happened. To me, she sounds disgruntled. I need more facts, and I'd need more, more proof. I've
2: heard. I can say I've heard a bit behind the scenes that they don't do know who it is, and I would even say truck driver. Oh. Um, Whoa. there is footage. Right? Of oh. their, their claims is, her claim is that they weren't even allowed to go and get the CCTV footage because the production stopped them. Look, I'm not the judge and jury here. I'm not saying who's right and who's wrong and what's true and what's false. I can say that I've certainly heard things. But besides that, If you're also wondering about the validity of Married at First Sight and all the claims that the psychologists really have nothing to do with the show and it's all run by the EP, you just have to look at last night's episode and it was interesting, something caught my eye right near the end of it when uh, the male uh, psychologist turned to the other psychologist and I could see the earpiece in his ear. Yes, yes. this isn't what you might think of a traditional earpiece with the big cord that runs down the back. What this is to the untrained eye, it looks like a hearing aid and it's one that goes directly in your ear and it's a wireless transmitter and so it doesn't have the big bulky cords that you're that most of, you know, like the um, security guards and things that, you know, the, yeah. the big wide pieces we're used to seeing. It's brown, it's right in the ear and it's very small. If you look at Graham Norton, he wears one on his show as well. But... That is the proof you need that the psychologists are being fed or told what to say during these um, sit-down interviews because
5: otherwise why do they need an earpiece? Absolutely, that's what's going on. I mean, as if they wouldn't have earpieces in there, you know, feeding what they think is going to make good television into these psychologists, psychologists... He oh, is. I'm not
2: saying that's a bad thing. I'm just making the point. I mean, of
5: course. I have no problem
2: with that whatsoever. That's a television technique. My biggest concern out of everything I've heard is if what Michelle is saying about the lack of care shown her if her drink was spiked and the way they wouldn't let them follow it through because they were if 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 this did happen, I can only assume that their motivations would have been, uh, this will become public, it will detract from the show, it will cause us nothing but headaches. Um, but if this woman was spiked, because she was paralytic, she said. She couldn't even walk. And so if this did happen, this is quite serious. Yep. All right. Brookie, I don't know where <laughs> that leaves us, but I can tell you, I can tell you, come hello high water. Nine will not be um axing. Married at first sight. Yeah, I not, can also tell you, Tara is one of the most powerful people, not even women, people in television. She just, I think, it sold a house for yeah, $2.1 million. When you're the executive you know, producer
6: um, of the biggest show on television, you are the biggest person on television. You
2: know, and there's a reason she's in that role, because she is delivering, delivering compelling content, which has been at the top of the charts, and it would be a brave person to change that show. Mm. Because it used to be on and it used to rate like crap before they changed the format.
3: I mean, forget about nine. There is a very large number of outlets, whether they be websites or podcasts or radio shows that need Married at First Sight. There's a whole industry. The contestants that want to do episode-by-episode recaps that are all over this show for every little nugget of Mm. information that they can get out of it. So uh, I think that whilst we're in a phase of very hard news rating very well, you're getting a lot of web hits and ratings points out of Married at First Sight. The whole industry wants it to continue.
2: Absolutely. Well, Brookie, thank you for a fascinating um, big issue. We appreciate that. But let's end on a little bit of fun as we open the TV
5: Black Vault Ben, what juicy gossip have you got for us this week? Well, I do actually have some gossip when it comes to maths, so for those people listening who wanted to hear a little bit more, i got some tea coming your way. Anyway, starting (laughs) off with number one, which reality TV contestant tried to get sympathy on social media only to be thwarted by his own daughter who let rip what a bad daddy is? wow. Wow. This ugly feud started when the star tried to paint himself as the family man, but his daughter was having none of it. Oh this, no! <laughs> this was very quickly taken down from this social media account and uh, just goes to show you that sometimes when a reality TV contestant tries to own their own narrative even their own family is going to tell them that they're lying.
4: <laughs> Gosh. <laughs>
5: Moving on to number two, fans have hit out at the lackluster Meredith First Sight grand finale, and some fans even noticed the promo was nothing like what was actually screened. Well, my sources tell me that the episode was dramatically recut after contestants blabbed about these shocking revelations. After a season where contestants had spilled the tea on just about everything, you can guarantee the contracts for next year are going to be tighter than their male contestants' pants. <laughs> <laughs> It's good. Uh, uh, so uh, very tight indeed. Oh, and get this, the cast of this year's maps have said to be the most unruly so far as I've heard. One of them even went as far as biting one of the producers through what? production. Nah. What? Yes, you heard it right. A contestant went feral and bit, <laughs> and bit a producer. Wow. <laughs> That's insane. Were they under drugs at the time? Well, I don't know. Maybe they'd been watching one of those zoo documentaries being <laughs> raided by Naomi Watts. <laughs> But be careful for any future contestants thinking of going down this past path because we know producers on MAPS will bite back. <laughs> that the truth. <laughs> and I wouldn't be messing with them. And anyway, I've got one last one for you guys and it is a MAPS one because we're all talking MAPS. Uh, and this one is... Um, which newly single female math star has been sliding into the DMs of former Batchy boys looking for a new love story? Oh! Goodness. Well, that's it for me this week with Guess Who But Don't Sue. And remember, you guys heard it here first. Thank you, Ben, for hey, another cracking well edition played. of the TV
2: Black Bolt. And that brings us to the end of another edition of TV Black Box. Mulk. Sarah, Brookie and Ben, thank you very much. Don't forget TV Binge Box is coming into your podcast feed on Thursday, Wednesday night if you're lucky mm-hmm. enough. Uh,
6: what show are we looking for this week, Malk? This week's group binge is Season 8 of House Rules, the Jamie Dewey fronted ah. renovation show and gird your loins, people. It's not great.
2: <laughs> Can't <laughs> wait to hear that. That will be in your podcast feed on Thursday. We will be back next Tuesday. Until then, keep going to the TV tea- TV, blackbox.com.au website for more tips and information and lots of exclusives. We'll see you next week. So ya. bye bye. Goodbye.
6: <laughs> Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week.